0: Good morning, it's Thursday, November the 3rd, 2022. Welcome to Now with Dave Brown, coming to you on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown, let's hit the horns and go. Coming up on the show today, Ardra Shepherd tells you about a casting opportunity for season two of AMI-tv's Fashion Dis. Fashion Dis coming back smash hit in the first season. Great to hear. We're going to find out more about this season with Ardra. British Columbia has launched a tool for people with disabilities to give feedback on accessing government services. BC Parliamentary Secretary for Accessibility Dan Kelter will share all the details. And Sylvie Faquette will describe hashtag rewrite the rules, a new campaign about the issues of ableism and barriers on the disability community. I want to start the show with a bit of a mea culpa here. I wonder if we're going to make this a no-shave-vember. You know, people are going to do their Movember thing, grow some mustaches. How about I just grow a ridiculously patchy beard? It'll come in pretty quick. If I don't shave again tomorrow, which is possible, you never know. If I sleep in, you never know. By Monday, we could have a beard that's ready for TV. That said, I think the white balancing issues with my big white beard might be trouble for our technical crew, so someone may forcibly shave me by the end of the day. Let's get to our top story. Finance Minister Christian Freeland will present a fiscal update today. It's expected to lay out some incentives for green investment across the economy. Innovation Minister Francois-Philippe Champagne says new laws in the U.S. mean that Canada has to stay competitive in the green sector.
1: We will remain competitive. Uh, we know that, for me, the Inflation Reduction Act in the United States and the CHIPS Act is a catalyst for us to do more. You know, the, these two acts basically call upon us to be more resilient. And I was saying to my American counterparts, it's in their own best interest that both Canada and the U.S. remain competitive.
0: Let's talk about the healthcare sector. The Canadian Institute for Health Information has projected that total health spending this year will be $331 billion across the country. That is a slight increase year over year. Emily Javesky has more.
2: In its annual report, the Institute says the growth significantly slowed down following two years of unprecedented increases in health expenditures due to COVID-19, which saw 13.2% growth in 2020 and 7.6% in 2021. It says issues such as population growth, health care use and population aging are taking over as the drivers of spending growth. The healthcare system is facing unprecedented challenges as emergency department closures and staff shortages are reported from coast to coast across the country. Emily Joveski, the Canadian Press.
0: Of course, we've been talking a lot about the economy and we'll be talking quite a bit about workers' rights over the course of the next few days considering what's happening with Ontario education workers right now. But there's a new survey with data that explores employer concerns about their employees' Don Kelly has those numbers.
3: The survey, commissioned by the Healthcare of Ontario Pension Plan, finds more than four-fifths of employers are worried about the competitive labor market. Almost two-thirds are worried about employee productivity. The survey also shows employers are concerned with their workers' financial stress as interest rates rise and inflation remains stubbornly high. More than three-quarters of employers are concerned about high turnover among their employees and are taking steps to introduce or improve retirement benefits and address employee mental health issues. Don Kelly, the Canadian Press, Toronto.
0: Let's go back to Ottawa and get to some sound from the Emergencies Act inquiry. More organizers of the Freedom Convoy protest were on the stand yesterday. Pat King responded to noise complaints that were filed by residents. It
4: was, it was funny. You see, we've been locked down for two years and people are complaining that they heard horns for 10 days. Do you remember what we went through for the last two years? What's a little bit of horns for 10 days?
0: The inquiry has also heard that Ottawa Police, Ontario Provincial Police officers and Mounties were regularly leaking information to protesters. Organizer Tom Morazzo was asked if he'd received any of that intelligence.
5: YOU
4: WERE GETTING INFORMATION ABOUT WHAT THE POLICE WERE PLANNING AHEAD OF TIME THROUGH SYMPATHETIC POLICE
6: OFFICERS, IS THAT RIGHT?
4: THAT'S MY UNDERSTANDING, BUT THEY WEREN'T COMING TO ME DIRECTLY. THEY WERE COMING FROM uh, OTHER other SOURCES. AND THEN I WOULD HAVE CONVERSATIONS WITH PEOPLE THAT THAT INFORMATION WAS PASSED TO THEM. SO YOU WERE KIND OF LIKE THE clearinghouse FOR THE INTELLIGENCE, I GUESS, FOR THE CONVOY?
0: Uh, NO, we. I TRIED TO DECENTRALIZE THAT AS WELL. MORE ORGANIZERS WILL BE ON THE STAND TODAY. Let's get to our daily polls at Accessible Media is where you find us on Twitter at Accessible Media Inc. Is where you find us on Facebook. On Wednesday, we asked you in relation to a conversation with Shane Baker, do you take a multivitamin daily? 15% of you said yes. 85% of you said no. I promised you that I would take my multivitamin this morning. I did not. Didn't shave. Didn't take my multivitamin. I did drink some tea and eat some fresh fruit though. So I don't know what that stands for but it did something for me. But multivitamin, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow we get on track with that multivitamin that's sitting next to my coffee machine. Our daily poll for today, something a little bit lighter, but I am genuinely curious. You can find this at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Have you ever purchased something from an infomercial or an as-seen-on-TV product? Yes or no? I have in the past. I bought one of those Magic Bullets, which is like my favorite infomercial of all time, and that's why I make my smoothies, and I love it. It's a great product for not a lot of cash, but I recently had to replace my frying pans, and I've seen a million commercials for these non-stick blue diamond pans. And I always thought to myself. No there's no way they're as good as the commercials make them out to be. They're commercials right. They're, they're meant to manipulate you. But they were on sale at a major retailer. Where my parents have a membership. So I sent them in. To get me a set of frying pans. And uh, I've been using this blue diamond frying pan. Oh my gosh. It's incredible. It's incredible. The eggs and the chicken. Like not sticking at all. Zero oil. Amazing amazing um although much like anything in my life I'm sure I will destroy it soon enough Mike Ross what about you have you ever been tempted by an infomercial or an as-seen-on-TV commercial
5: absolutely Dave not only have I bought them I was just using one like a day and a half ago and that was my uh, Dr. Ho's therapeutic system oh yeah um it's wonderful it is wonderful um i uh if i get neck pain shoulder pain knee pain whatever throw a couple of those uh, those electrodes on and crank it up and my goodness do i feel better after uh, after running that uh, through uh, through those those sore spots so yeah the dr ho is definitely one that uh, that i bought the magic bullets another one that i that i really enjoy i mean i love a good chicken salad sandwich you're not going to you know, cut up your chicken as finely as the magic bullet will. So I love having that uh, uh, for, uh, for making that, ch- especially the chicken salad. We but need, to, we need, to, get the, we need to get the
0: advertising department on the line here and listen to this first segment of the show and be like, yo, guys, let's let's reach out to these people because Mike Ross and Dave will definitely point to these products on air. The sports chat brought to you by Blue Diamond
5: Pans. Absolutely. I, I, I can't really think of other products that I've bought um but there were some that i was tempted to buy over the years and uh you know you remember the name ron Popeil? oh my gosh of course the king the king of the infomercial i, I think some people even say like he basically invented and created and popularized the uh, the the all of the, that line of ronco products the food
0: the food dehydrator
5: that's that's the one that first caught my attention. Then of course he did the uh, spray on hair oh, which yeah. was like that was hilarious. Um he got his start with some kind of fishing lure. I can't remember the name of it, but it was a fishing lure that that's where he initially sort of established himself. And of course after the dehydrator came the rotisserie. Oh. Set it and forget it. <laughs> When a line sticks in your head for almost 30 years like that, yeah, you know you're dealing mm-hmm. with an advertising mm-hmm. genius. And uh, I I still remember that product. It was it, it was sort of the, the 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 air fryer before the air fryer because yeah. you're cooking on a rotisserie, the fat's all it's just coming off of your meat, whatever you're cooking, it's not it's not bathing in it. This is very healthy. Set it and Forget oh, right. it. we
0: got to talk to the advertising department here because I think we can start getting a little bit of money into the uh, now-with-Dave-Brown coffers into the AMI family here because I will I will stump for anything, especially these frying pans and this magic bullet. And if it means i got some dehydrated food, dehydrated food out of it, oh, let's go. Let's bring in Eliza Rocco to this. Eliza, I think you and I off the air were talking about an experience that many children have of being in front of the TV, being influenced by these infomercials.
7: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... I currently don't have cable, and I haven't had cable for most of my adult life. How dare you? I know. I'm sorry. Well, luckily (laughs)
0: for you, you get to get the live show of Now with Dave Brown in person every day. And
7: then I listen to the podcast afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I don't see a lot of infomercials currently. So for me, the biggest infomercials were going on when I was a kid. And, of course, my parents never, ever let me get anything off those infomercials. However... A lot of those old infomercial products are now in stores or thrift stores at heavily discounted prices. And whenever I see one, I have to get it. Those infomercials are just burned into my memory, and I just need it. So I have a collection of things. I have the Magic Bullet, of course. That is by far the best one. I make smoothies with it, like, every other day. Perfect. I also have the Snuggie. If you remember, that oh one. yes, of
0: course, <laughs> a blanket a with a blanket with sleeves.
7: <laughs> of course, of course, shamwow. I of have course, the, I have yeah, some Yeah,
0: yeah. Why would we use other reusable cloths when <laughs> right? we could use a shamwow?
7: Why not? Um, I also have the slap chop.
0: Oh yeah! Oh yeah!
7: <laughs> that one is maybe not as great as it was made up. To little, be honest, little little gimmicky, a little gimmicky, little gimmicky, yeah, bit, a little bit. Um, also, chia pets. I'm not sure if those are big information
0: ones. Yeah, yeah, they were. When I was a kid, they were.
7: I I have like three of them currently, and I I love my chia pets, I have to say.
0: I mean, before we got to the uh, modern-day smart homes, there was the clapper.
7: Oh, yeah, yep.
0: Clap (laughs) off. And I'm sure the Clapper is still around, but I think it's probably been made a little bit outdated by uh, smart home tech via Google and Apple yeah, and I've Amazon and all these guys. I've seen
7: that one in the thrift store, and I've stayed away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of other giant brands who could sponsor this show, uh, Canadian Tire has an entire as-seen-on-TV section, like, oh. inside the store, like, right down the middle aisle of, of a lot of their major uh, locations. So, you know, if you ever want to go for a spin around Canadian Tire, and you never know what kind of good stuff you're going to find at Canadian Tire. See we we need to get the advertising department <laughs> online here. I don't know if we have one. Maybe we should become the advertising the department. Entire sponsor yeah, us. rain the money down upon us <laughs> and we can give it to charitable causes or 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 just live in nicer places and buy more seen on TV products. Eliza, thank you for this. Thank you. That is Eliza Rocco. You can vote on the poll at accessible Media. On Twitter, you can also vote in the poll at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. And you can definitely send your complaints about uh, all the brands that we've been shouting out here without uh, financial compensation. To feedback at ami.ca or give us a phone call, 1-866-509-4545. Let's go back to Mike Ross. He has the National Weather updates. <music>
5: The big question, Dave, is will you take Canadian Tire sponsorship in Canadian Tire money?
0: I mean if I can use it at the store. Why not, right? Yeah, they they, they they sell they sell chips there.
5: <laughs> they sell the refills for my soda stream too. That, there you yeah. go. Boom. Good, good call. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, This is your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. We begin in St. John's, Newfoundland, clearing skies this afternoon, and your high is plus two. Let's go to Halifax next. Mainly sunny with a high of 13 degrees. Montreal will be sunny and 17. Ottawa, mainly sunny and 17 degrees as well. Down the 401 to Toronto, a mix of sun and clouds today and a high of 15. Up to Thunder Bay, mix of sun and clouds today, and a high of 19. Let's go to Winnipeg next. Increasing cloudiness through the day. The high, 7 degrees. Into Saskatoon, where there'll be periods of snow ending near noon. The temperature will fall to minus 7 this afternoon. The wind chill, minus 14. In Calgary, it's sunny. No snow in the forecast today. They get a bit of a break here. But it's going to be a minus four for a high today. The wind chill minus 19 this morning, minus nine this afternoon. Let's go to Edmonton where it uh, will be some clearing skies for Edmontonians along with a high of minus four, a wind chill of minus 19 this morning, minus 10 this afternoon. Back to the snow in Yellowknife. Just some light stuff though today. The high is minus seven. The wind chill minus 21 uh, in the morning, minus 16 in the afternoon. In Vancouver, You got periods of rain beginning this morning. It's a rainfall warning in effect between 5 and 10 millimeters coming your way. The high is 6 degrees. And in Victoria, cloudy rain beginning this morning and the high is 7. And that is your national weather forecast here on AMI. From Environment Canada. Thank you very
0: much, Mike. We'll talk to you a little bit later in the show, but coming up next, Ardra Shepherd stops by to tell you all about season two of AMI TV's Fashion Diss. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. AMI TV has a hit on their hands. And no, it's definitely not this show. I'm talking about Fashion Dis with Ardra Shepard. Season one was a smash success. Just an incredible look at disability within the fashion industry. And guess what? It's coming back for season two and Ardra's here to tell you all about it. Hey, good morning, Ardra. Great to chat with you.
2: Good morning, Dave. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So as I mentioned, Season 1 was a smash hit. Season 2, On the Horizon. How are you hoping to build upon the work that you did in the first season?
2: We are so excited. The first season, of course, was groundbreaking. We had only six stories to tell. And as you know, there are so many more stories out there. So we just want to... Bring those experiences to the world, different ways to be disabled, different ways to express yourself, all the different ways uh, to, to be cool and fashionable and stylish and fun.
0: It was really hard to pick just one clip from the first season because all the stories were really good. But we do have a clip from the season one just to give people a little bit of a taste of the show. Let's take a peek.
2: Okay, team, I want you to meet Claire. Claire is a mom. She is a sledge hockey player. She plays for Team Canada. Bella, talk to me about what we can do with makeup that incorporates this androgynous look. I'm thinking a
7: smoky eye with very carved and contoured cheekbones. Just framing the face, I think, would go with that androgynous look.
8: Susan, give me some ideas. I would like to take a risk with Claire. She's an athlete, and athletes are known for having risky hair. What do you think about blonde? Yeah. I love Love that idea.
2: Mel, how does that fit into your vision? I'm loving the blonde. I feel like she's not afraid of color. I would love to maybe give her something that she could wear to one of her functions for work. i love to play with silhouettes, kind of balance off the
3: sporty and feminine, so she gets the best of both worlds.
0: So Ardra, season two is in the works right now. And I know we're still in the early phase, but what are you most excited about? What are you really excited to get your hands on for this one?
2: I'm really excited to meet the participants. It's always so rewarding to hear these stories. And then, and really for me, it's so much about the photo shoot to just see the finished product and to have this high fashion image added to the canon of of examples of people with disabilities looking cool and fashionable and stylish. We don't see enough of that. <laughs> and I'm excited to just build on that resource.
0: Definitely people who watch this show every day and look at what I wear on camera would definitely say, yes, people with disabilities are not super fashionable. I'm a bad representative on that front. But, Ardra, that doesn't mean that people with disabilities are not fashion oriented and you actually are looking for a casting call here. People who might be able to uh, be part of the show look coming into the second season. So what are you looking for?
2: I mean, Dave, maybe you want to apply.
0: (laughs) No, no, I'm i I'm a little too large and in charge. Uh, Designers don't quite uh, design for, for me.
2: I think it's not true, though, and I think that's the point. I think we're looking for people who do feel like they have been left out of the fashion and beauty industry. So whether that's because of representation or it's because... Uh, clothes, you're having trouble finding clothes that work for your body or accommodating your disability. Fashion and beauty tools can sometimes be difficult to use depending on uh, what we've got going on physically. And so we're really looking for the people who have have faced these barriers to fashion. And we want to help anyone that is interested in upping their style game with a disability. We want to help you find those tools and access them.
0: You had some experience being very expressive via a blog for years and years, but putting together this TV show last season, what lessons did you learn heading into this new season?
2: Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a big question.
0: I know, I, I know. Yeah, I, I can, I can I think of uh, that. That's uh, that's right from the mind of our senior producer, Andrika Delannerle, and our producer, Alex Smythe, who, who both uh, brainstormed this one together. I think it's a great question.
2: What did I learn? I think it was really such an experience to work. I mean, what did I learn? i never worked in television before, so I could write a whole book about all of all of the things that I learned from a practical standpoint but I think it was really exciting to collaborate with non-disabled people and people with disabilities in in that world and just learn how much we're all different but also how much we're all the same
0: Was there a particular contestant or a particular hack or a particular adaptation that was brainstormed last season that that still sticks with you today as you think about making fashion more inclusive?
2: I mean, I don't have anything to do with fashion design and, and the products that are available. It really was stunning to me to see how many creative innovations and hacks are actually available out there, you know. Sometimes I think when we have a disability, we think there's a problem, and there isn't maybe a solution, and we just kind of settle for what we've got. But um, like learning actually about what tools do exist, I think everyone lost their minds when they saw the Billy footwear, those shoes that are that are top opening that can accommodate so many different disabilities, whether mm. it's an orthotic or a prosthetic or drop foot, all of these things. Um, yeah, I, I think. I, I've lost my my train of thought, but I think, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I sometimes I sometimes do that to people. I'm sorry, Arthur. I'm throwing curveballs all over the place here. Uh, I, I do want to come back to this casting call, though. If somebody is interested, is there a method for them to get in touch with the show or the producers uh, to put their name forward?
2: Absolutely. So you need to send an email to fashiondis at com. And and you will get an answer with all the details of, of what the next steps are.
0: NikkiRaycasting.com. And we'll make sure to put that up on the blog after the show, AMI.ca slash now, AMI.ca slash now. Ardra, I just want to ask you one more question here and I apologize because I may be putting you on the spot again, much like what did you learn in the first season of the show? Because out of the show and out of your blog has come a really interesting AMI podcast, Tripping on Air, which has been tremendous What's it like, what's it like, what's this last year been like for you getting to explore all these new methods of communication for something that you've been doing for a long time in the blog form?
2: Thank you so much. The podcast, Tripping on Air, it's so exciting. It is an extension of what I've been doing on the blog. And for me, it has been a really big learning curve. Is Something about being on the fly and being live and unedited for a writer is which is my background is uh, is very scary, actually. Um, but very exciting, very rewarding. I am working with a co-host whose partner is disabled, and that, I think, is opening up a really cool conversation of of how we how we communicate and make it work with our with our partners and our families and because disability affects all of us.
0: If you'll allow me to offer a compliment. One of the reasons why I think Fashion Dis is working so well and why Tripping on Air works so well is because the conversations are very real. So many times in these forms of entertainment, things can be a little bit fake or a little bit staged. It seems so genuine, the conversations that you're having and the work that you're doing. And it doesn't surprise me one bit that it's
2: connecting with people. Dave, thank you so much. That's so nice to hear. I think, you know, there can be a hesitation when you're talking about something that you don't know a lot about. I think we can be nervous about how we talk about disability. And I think we just have to normalize it and, you know, stop being weird.
0: I like that. Let's all stop being (laughs) a little bit awkward and weird. Ardra, I'm so grateful that you could make some time for us today. Best of luck as season two is coming together. Congratulations that season two is coming together. Keep up all the amazing work and let's touch base again down the line.
2: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: That's Ardra Shepard, host of the AMI original series, Fashion Diss, which you can find on AMI.ca or the AMI-tv app for Apple or Android. And don't forget, you can also find Ardra's podcast, Tripping on Air, available through the AMI Audio Podcast Network. Ardra, superstar, doing just fantastic work across the airwaves here at AMI. Coming up next, a Calgary Parkade is being redesigned with the future in mind. Don Dickinson will fill you in as part of the preview of McLean's magazine. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your Morning Business Minutes.
8: Stock markets in Canada and the U.S. tumbled in late Wednesday trading after another 75 basis point interest rate hike by the U.S. Federal Reserve. Toronto's TSX index lost 240 points to 19,277. New York's Dow Jones average plunged 505 points and the Nasdaq gave back 366 or 3.3%. Japanese markets were closed for a holiday but Hong Kong's Hang Seng index tumbled this morning by 3.1%. Our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 72.78 cents U.S. Asian stock market sank today after the U.S. Federal Reserve added to fears of a possible recession by saying it wasn't finished raising interest rates yet to cool off inflation. Finance Minister Chrystia Freeland will table her mid-year budget update in the House of Commons later today. The Liberals' fall economic statement is also expected to focus heavily on driving investment to Canada's clean energy industries. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Karen Rebeau.
0: Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's talk about some of the great reading programs we have available on the AMI audio side of the family, including McLean's Magazine, which you can hear Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI Audio. Don Dickinson is the producer of that program and joins us now with a preview. Hey, good morning, Don. Hey there, Dave. Don, you've got a couple neat ones for us today, starting in Alberta. The first article is about a redesign of an $80 million Ninth Avenue parkade in Calgary. I need a little more info about this building and its redesign, Don. I, I never thought a parkade would be such a, such a flashpoint for conversation.
9: Oh yeah. This this is one stunning looking building. I was just blown away when I saw uh, saw it. Um Basically, few buildings are designed not to stand, st- not to stand the test of time. But Calgary's Parkade, Ninth Avenue Parkade, was always headed for a reno. I think this is really interesting. Initially, at least, the seven-story complex was opened uh, to fill a dire need for parking in Calgary's East Village. But with the rise of co- uh, of COVID, obviously, and remote work, and local industries expanding well beyond oil and gas. Kate Thompson, president and CEO of the Calgary Municipal Land Corporation, says the question of future-proofing, I I like that I love that expression, became central to the parkade's blueprint. One day, if these 510 spots aren't needed to house cars, they could house residential or office space, both of which are in high demand. So basically, the building was built as a convertible building, Wouldn't that be great if they did that with everything? Oh,
0: my gosh. It was something that I was banging the drum about a ton, Don, in regards to the pandemic, thinking, okay, all this commercial space, we could potentially solve some housing crisis issues with this. So, Don, tell me about the design elements included in this parkade.
9: Well, you can see from the the photo there, the way it's sloped and curved, the steep slopes of a typical parking garage make adaptions very, very difficult. But the Calgary uh, Parkade has a gently ascending corkscrew shape, Meaning that each floor can be flattened, believe it or not, without a full-blown demolition. A ground floor courtyard spans the length of the building, giving it a top-to-bottom openness that lets in plenty of sunlight. And they even have a ground floor basketball court. Unbelievable.
0: There you go. (laughs) Built-in gym facilities.
9: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what a great idea for architects to build in this manner, eh? So, Don, you use the
0: expression "future proofing." There, what is the lifespan of the building and its possible future after a demolition? I know now we're getting kind of beyond the future proofing.
9: Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, exactly how long the parkade will uh, will exist, obviously, is, is you know it depend on wear and tear, right? but it, the architects have ballparked a lifespan of uh, 30 to 50 years. If their predictions are correct, the 2000 hollow aluminum pickets that give the parkade's exterior its shine could be reused as balcony guardrails or melted down and like the structure they initially guarded, transformed into something entirely different. So not only is the design itself convertible, but the materials that they've used, the actual uh, uh, materials can also be reused.
0: Don, let's move on to something here that is probably extra relevant considering the labor strife that is brewing in Ontario. In in real time, there have been developments in regards to the Ontario education workers strike, all of an update in the regional news update in about 30 minutes or so. But this is an interview with the president of Unifor, one of the largest national unions. And it's their right. president, Laura Payne, explaining why Canadian workers Uh, should get paid what they're worth. So tell me a bit more about Lana Payne, who uh, I believe is fairly new to her position.
9: Yeah, absolutely, Dave. She is a 57-year-old activist who previously served as Unifor's secretary treasurer. Uh, She was elected the organization's first female president and is, in her words, looking to turn the page. So far, that's meant recruiting members from growing industries like electric vehicle production and warehousing and pressing for wage hikes that match the rapidly, rapidly rising cost of living.
0: Don. so many times we use acronyms for the sake of simplicity and conversation, and I'm sure the word UNIFOR is one that people watching the show have heard a million times, but maybe haven't put all the pieces together of just the scale of UNIFOR and what it is.
9: Yes. Well, UNIFOR is, in fact, the country's largest private sector union, which represents more than 315,000 employees, Recently, Uniform made uh, headlines for its own internal conflicts. In March, former <clears throat> President Jerry Diaz was charged with breach of Uniform's Code of Ethics after he allegedly accepted $50,000 from a Canadian supplier of COVID-19 rapid test kits and promoted the products to union employees. So it's not very often that they're in the news themselves, but uh, obviously this was the case. And then, of course, that's how um, Miss Payne came into being.
0: And let's come back to this interview because one of the points she raised was about the pandemic becoming a flashpoint for worker activism. Why was that?
9: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, we know how important those uh, workers were. Payne says, and this is a direct quote, every single day during the pandemic, we saw news stories about how we depend on workers to survive. For workers, there was a sense of I'm valuable again, but they weren't seeing that spill over in the form of compensation or improved working conditions. We still have frontline workers uh, who were not being paid what, uh, anywhere near what they were worth. The pandemic also topped off 40 years of wage stagnation and households needing a full two incomes to get along. Together, these things are a recipe for renewed worker militancy. So she's saying the time is ripe, Dave, and, Right for and, getting these increases.
0: And it's playing out in real time in Ontario right now.
9: Yes. <laughs> yes, in real time, as of tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah, looking.
0: So just, just I mean, I'll offer a little bit of the update here. It looks like uh, one of the Ontario Public Service Unions are doing a solidarity walkout tomorrow as well. That just came across the wire a couple of minutes ago. So eight thousand public service union. Uh, uh, employees in Ontario will also be walking off the job tomorrow. We've heard that schools are going to be closing in the Toronto District School Board amongst many other school boards across the province with the 55,000 education workers uh, going on at least a one day strike tomorrow if not longer and of course it's all playing out at Queen's Park with the possibility of a back to work legislation and a mandated contract and even last week in the Supreme Court, uh, Supreme Court of Canada ruled with the province of Manitoba about some uh, wage hike freezes that were being put in place on public workers. So there, there, there is definitely a conversation going on at the biggest, biggest levels in regards to workers' rights right now. So this interview in McLean's magazine certainly frames up the position of one of the biggest unions in the country, almost saying, hey, strap in, because this could be a really rough couple of years.
9: Absolutely, Dave. Absolutely. It's a great interview.
0: Don, we always appreciate you bringing us these articles. Before I let you go, though, I want to ask you the daily poll question, which folks can find at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media okay. Inc. on, on, on Facebook. Don, I know that you're someone who, who has self-control, but have you <laughs> ever been influenced by an infomercial or an as-seen-on-TV product? Have you ever purchased one of these, yes or no?
9: Oh, my gosh. Um
0: a couple I, candidates, I, a couple I, I, candidates I, I, already on the show have been the Magic Bullets, the Blue uh, Diamond ha- Bands.
9: Yeah, I have to say yes, Dave. I'm I I I feel foolish saying it, <laughs> but I I bought those. Uh, what do they call those chamois that you clean the car the, the with? Shamwows, and...
0: The chamois, the chamois.
9: Yes, yes. Yes, yes, I did get those because I was just so thoroughly impressed with the absor- absorption, you know. And I just <laughs> thought, okay, I got to get these, you know.
0: <laughs> Don, it doesn't make any of us a sucker. Okay. That's okay. That's what these ads do. And, and we were just saying at the top at the top of the show that uh, overall we've all been pretty happy with the purchases that we've made with the ads seen on TV products. So oh, yeah. you know yeah. the advertisements work, and then and, and sometimes uh, we're going to make impulse buys.
9: Yeah. Oh, and they did work. So, I mean, I was pleased with the buy,
0: right? <laughs> I'll tell you, if I could ever afford a house large enough to have a home gym, I would for sure buy a Bowflex. I've been getting hit oh. by those infomercials <laughs> for years. <laughs>
9: wow. Well, well, oh, that's a big purchase. Oh, that's a date. big
0: one. Yeah. it's That's in the thousands of dollars categories, but so would the million dollar house in Toronto. So I guess it goes both ways.
9: Yeah. <laughs> Dawn, Absolutely.
0: all the best to you. Thank you for stopping by for us this morning. We'll talk to you again next week. Okay, Dave, take care. That's Don Dickinson, one of the producers of the McLean's Magazine reading program. You can find that Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. Coming up next, Blaine Deutscher, our community reporter in Saskatchewan, will talk about how CFL fans in Regina can take in the 2022 Grey Cup festivities. But first, American regulators are once again considering a TikTok ban. Daria Albinger has more in Tech Trends.
9: TikTok's huge popularity in the U.S. is a big concern for FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr, who told Axios this week the Chinese-owned app could be harvesting Americans' data for Beijing.
3: It could be anything from an email address to uh,
10: something as significant as a, a, a a digital print of your face called a face print.
9: Tim Starks writes a cybersecurity newsletter for the Washington Post. He says TikTok has already raised eyebrows when it comes to who has access to users' personal data.
10: They have said that employees in China are capable of accessing that data and have before in the past, and that, that they have not committed to Congress to date that they won't be doing that in the future. And
9: that type of information could be used in a variety of ways.
10: They could do things potentially like, you know, use it to further target people for hacks. There are other things I could do with it, such as perhaps
9: targeting an influence campaign. With Tech Trends, I'm Daria Albinger, ABC News.
0: Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's head into the prairies to catch up with community reporter Blaine Deitcher in Regina, Saskatchewan. Hey Blaine, great to chat with you once again, my friend. Dave, how are you doing? I'm well, I'm well. So Blaine, it was not an incredible year for Saskatchewan Rough Riders fans. That said, CFL fans in Regina are getting all geared up for the 2022 Grey Cup as they're playing host and Sirius XM is going to be throwing a kickoff party. Blaine, what's got you all fired up for this event in a couple weeks?
10: Well, I mean, there's a bunch of different things going on, but yeah, the Sirius XM kickoff party starts on the 16th at uh, the Viteria International Trade Center on uh, 1700 Elphinstone Street. It's for all ages, which is super nice to see. Um, and, uh, there's, it's free. So that's, that's a plus. There we go. <laughs> family, family, friendly and
0: free. Talking the language right there.
10: And it's yeah. Five to 9 PM on the, on the 16th. Uh, and it just says it's a all ages event to officially launch the week before it turns into a 19 plus the next day. Um, there's live music and the trophy will be, coming down from Saskatoon to Regina and that's gonna be its resting place that day anyways um and I thought someone said Phil Collins was playing but yeah I don't remember that now okay but yeah I know and all all week long there's all different events from uh um obviously the parties um and you can this year again it's back which is nice to see the party pass where you get all the different party rooms for one cost of $240. Um, but there's things for kids, there's things for youth, There's things for the little guys. There's even, if you're a new parent, there's a quiet area. Um, I forget the theme this year. It's like heartland of Saskatchewan or something. And in that, um, area there's like change places and feeding stations so if you're a new parent you can go away and kind of have a little moment with your child and then come back to the stuff um and all of it the nice thing is it's all down at the stadium and surrounding at the real district all the different buildings around there free transit all week which is super nice nice. um so we don't have to be like, oh, I got to go here and I got to take these. But it's all one place. So mm-hmm. get yourself down to the stadium and they'll hook you up with where to go. Um, if you want more information, just go to. Breakupfestival.ca slash festival hyphen events, and there we'll have all the answers. I was looking at it because there's paid, there's free this, this week is going to be a blast, and then the 20th is, of course, Grey Cup, and I'm excited. I'm actually going to be at the Grey Cup myself, volunteering with what I do during the season, mm-hmm. so... I'm excited to see it. I've never been to a Grey Cup, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, cool. Yeah,
0: I think people sometimes don't quite understand just how much fun the festivities around the Grey Cup are. It is a week-long party in whatever city tends to host it. Uh, Ottawa hosted a couple times while I was living there. I, Montreal definitely hosted once while I was living there, but I think at the time I was uh, too broke to actually be engaged in the shindiggery, but I probably took part in some of the, uh, uh, let's call it side shindiggery that uh, went yeah. along with the uh, Grey Cup. It's, it's a good time. There's parades and there's fans coming in from all across the country, but there's something particularly special when the event gets held in Western Canada or in the prairies, because the fact is in Winnipeg, Regina, Edmonton and Calgary the CFL just means more and those cities take pride in making sure that it's not just a a party for the CFL that it's a party for the community
10: yeah well I was looking at the events and one thing I liked is all the different rooms the Atlantic schooners they're not even a team yet they're gonna be here so it's exciting to see coast to coast yeah People coming in from
0: all across the country, no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, Blaine, as mentioned, the Rough Riders unfortunately had a uh, actually I was going to say a bit of a disappointing year. I think anytime they finish with a losing record like they did, it's more than just disappointing. But what's your general vibe, your general feel going into the playoffs, the CFL playoffs, which get going this weekend?
10: Well, I'm I'm predicting Winnipeg's going to be back in it. For the East, I don't know Hamilton maybe. it's a pile of trash um, in the
0: East. It's one giant pile of trash in the East.
10: like I don't know um because I know Winnipeg BC they're playing each other um yeah, I don't I don't really I, I don't know like it's it's been a weird year for for a lot of people and Winnipeg's just won every single game minus maybe two. yeah, so I'm like I, I don't know.
0: Well, I'll tell, yeah. you, I'll tell you, man, with Nathan Rourke coming back for the B.C. Lions, coming off that Liz Frank injury in his foot, uh, I thought he was going to be done for the year. The fact that he's back going into the playoffs, he was one of the most electrifying players through the first he's eight weeks of the season. Oh, my gosh. He's a great quarterback for the B.C. Lions. So to me, Blaine, that's the story that I'm looking at. The Canadian kid who was tearing up the league, then he tore up his Liz Frank in his foot, and uh, now on the mend. I, that That's the team that I think kind of becomes a little bit of the national rooting interest, just because to have a young Canadian quarterback emerging in the league yeah. is something that is just good for the health of the league. When there are great quarterbacks in the CFL, the league is healthier. And with all due respect to the, uh, to the Beau Levi-Mitchells of the world, This Nathan Rourke appears to be at another level, but uh, CFL football gets going. The playoffs this weekend, 1 p.m. Eastern time on TSN. And we'll uh, talk about that a little bit tomorrow with Brock Richardson.
10: Let's head over to something a little bit different. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Blaine. I was just gonna see. I kind of hope BC actually uh, beats Winnipeg to kind of pop that bubble of there. Well, that might that bit, might but... that might
0: be a little bit of your prairie bias, though. No, no self respecting <laughs> Rider fan is going to be rooting for the Blue Bombers. There's no doubt about that. Hey,
10: I grew up. I I was born in Winnipeg. So okay. <laughs> and and Zach was our quarter. A lot of our team is in Winnipeg. So I cheer for players, not necessarily the okay. team itself. Okay. So. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll grant you. That'll back I'll back
0: off on my position. I'll back off on my position. <laughs> uh Blaine, let's go from uh from sports to the world of crafts because the 47th yes. Wintergreen Fine Craft Market is back for locals it to is. enjoy in Regina. So, what's on the agenda this year for the
10: markets? Well, it starts actually tomorrow, uh Friday till Sunday. Tomorrow it's from uh 1 to 8. Saturday is from ten to six. And Sunday is ten to four PM. It's at the Turvy Center. Uh and it's five dollars plus tax at the door. They take debit, credit, cash, firstborn child. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just it's if you like art, if you like handcrafted things, they're even doing a glass, um, glass blowing. Yeah, glass blowing. They're going to be doing a f- beautiful exhibition by the Glass Blowing Glass Workers Guild. So, um, that that's cool. If if you like to support local, you like handcrafted art stuff in your house this is something to go check out um i mean it's been around for four decades Mm -hmm. and yeah so it's it's back and if you want more information it's oh children 12 and under are free sorry about that and Wintergreenmarket.c is where you can kind of go find out all the different vendors and who's all there. But yeah, if you like to support local and you like art and handcrafted stuff, it's got it all.
0: Wicked. Yeah. And supporting local this time of year is always a nice thing to do, given some of those holiday season gifts that are not from uh, one of the big retailers or an as seen on TV product always uh, goes a long way to the people in your life. And always great to support local artists, local crafters, all those folks who are putting their passions into realities. Hey, Blaine, thank you for this, man. Have a great day. And uh, listen, Mm -hmm. enjoy enjoy the playoff run in the CFL. Enjoy volunteering at the Great Cup. Next time we chat with you, I want to hear all about that experience.
10: Oh, it's going to be fun. Thank you so much, Dave.
0: That's Blaine Deicher, community reporter in Regina, Saskatchewan. And Blaine had a lot of information there with dates and links and places and websites. You know where to go after the show. It's ami.ca slash now, ami.ca slash now. Let's wrap up the hour with a couple of news stories. Mm Pulling from the complicated world of Israeli politics, former Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and a coalition are expected to form government after another national election in that country. Jordana Miller has the latest.
8: Benjamin Netanyahu on track to win his sixth term as Israel's prime minister. But this time, Netanyahu's power is dependent on two far-right leaders he once shunned. Bezalel Smotrich, notorious for his homophobia, his aims to erase Israel's independent judiciary, and Itamar Ben-Gvir for inciting Arabs, calling to deport Palestinians, and supporting Jewish settler violence. Biden officials reportedly considering boycotting these two, who will likely get top posts in Netanyahu's new government. Jordana Miller, ABC News, Jerusalem.
0: It should be noted that uh, amongst the campaign promises from this coalition would be to remove fraud from Israel's criminal code. Funny thing, Benjamin Netanyahu facing significant fraud charges. There's something going on with democracy right now when politicians are getting elected and then being able to just say, you know what, let's just take that law off the book. Don't need that one anymore because it applies to me. The rule of law is kind of the most fundamental underpinning of democracy that says nobody within the scale of democracy is indeed above the law. You're not supposed to be able to change the law to make criminal charges against you go away. I'm going to go back to what I said last Friday on the news panel, which, by the way, you can find that on our podcast by searching Now now with Dave Brown. Democracy's hard, man, and democracy can slip away very, very quickly. I'm not saying you should be blocking downtown Ottawa with your trucks and honking your horns. I'm saying you probably want to make sure you're educating yourself as you're heading into the ballot box to vote in all levels of election, to not just be branding yourself with a party, but making sure the ideas that you're voting for Are in line with what you allege to believe. Let's get to one more international story for you. Australia's government has begun an inquiry into unsolved deaths resulting from hate crimes against gay people in New South Wales between 1970 and 2010. Senior counsel Peter Gray issued a call for witnesses to come forward.
9: Now is your chance to do something to make amends. Now is the time to break your silence. Justice in these cases has been long delayed and long awaited. This may be the last chance for the truth about some of these historical deaths to be exposed.
0: Violence against gay men in New South Wales was particularly prevalent in the 1980s and 1990s. Coming up after the break, we'll be joined by Brock Richardson. He'll be here for a sports chat. There was some history made in the World Series last night. Two days in a row, history made in the World Series. So Brock will chat about that. I'll have the latest on what's going on in Ontario in regards to the education workers strike. That'll be part of the regional news updates. But in the meantime, I do want to remind you that if if you do want to reach out to the show for any of the things that I say or we talk about, they're all fair game and we have thick skin. We want your feedback. So send us emails, feedback at ami.ca, feedback at ami.ca. You can find us on social media. At Accessible Media is where you find us on Twitter and TikTok. If you're more of an Instagram or Facebook person, it's at Accessible Media Inc., So at Accessible Media on Twitter and TikTok, at Accessible Media Inc. for Facebook and Instagram, or you can always just pick up the phone and give us a -a ring-a-ding-ding, 1-866-509-4545, 1-866-509-4545. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI TV. I'm Dave Brown. It's Thursday, November the 3rd, 2022. Coming up in the second hour of the show, British Columbia has launched a tool for people with disabilities to give feedback on accessing government services. BC Parliamentary Secretary for Accessibility, Dan Coulter, shares all those details. And Sylvie Fiquette will describe rewrite the rules, a new campaign about issues of ableism and barriers. On the disability community. But let's begin the hour with the regional news update beginning while heavy snow is set to fall further east up to 70 millimeters of rain is expected along the coast including metro vancouver Howe sound the sunshine coast and eastern vancouver island environment canada has issued a snowfall warning with up to 20 centimeters in the forecast for the fraser valley east to the okanagan valley as well as the fraser canyon and nicola regions hope i didn't step on mike ross's feet too much as he's got the national weather update in a couple of minutes. Over to the prairies. The chiefs from four remote First Nations in Manitoba are calling for the provincial and federal governments to work together on building a hospital in their area. They say proper infrastructure in their communities would address the mental health and addiction crisis. Scott Harper says there's a need for substantive health and social services on par with non-Indigenous communities. An urgent
5: strategy is needed to address colonizational intergenerational traumatic effects combined with decades of insufficient resources and funding, which has created a pandemic of suffering. The chiefs have submitted
0: proposals for a hospital, but have received no substantive response from any level of government. Over to Ontario. The union, representing 55,000 Ontario education workers, say a strike they are planning for Friday will continue until further notice. The Canadian Union of Public Employees has said workers, such as early childhood educators, education assistants, and custodians would walk off the job despite the looming legislation that would make it illegal. The union's Laura Walton says the province is negotiating in bad faith.
3: If this was really about you know, preventing the strike and having
2: those conversations, you don't come in and tell somebody that, you know, we're going to legislate you. You come in and you bring an offer and you work on this.
0: The Toronto District School Board has said that their schools will be closed throughout the duration of the strike. Several other school boards have made that announcement as well. And just coming across the wire this morning, Opsu, Education workers are going to be walking out in solidarity. So the Ontario Public Service Employees Union says its 8,000 education workers will walk off the job Friday in solidarity with the 55,000 workers at QP. And then over to the Atlantic provinces, striking school support staff in Nova Scotia's Annapolis Valley have been invited to the bargaining table. The Nova Scotia government and General Employees Union says it has agreed to return to talks tomorrow. In the meantime, the union says strike actions continue in the valley region and the South Shore. More than 700 workers in both regions walked off the job last week in a bid to gain wage parity with school support staff working in Halifax. That's your look at the regional news. Let's bring in Brock Richardson for a sports chat. Brock, we had two historical nights in a row at the World Series. Houston Astros pitcher Christian Javier and the bullpen combined for just the second no-hitter in World Series history. Brock, let's get some sound after the 5-0 win evened the series at two games apiece. Javier says the no-hitter is a culmination of embracing the grind.
10: We've all been working really hard all year. We go out every single day, work
0: as hard as we can so we can have success during game. Obviously, I think that's one of the things that's been working for me, just
1: working really hard throughout the season.
0: Brock, history, two games in a row. We tied the World Series home run record on Tuesday. We had a combined no-hitter last night, the second one ever in the World Series. It has not been the most competitive World Series, Brock, but we're making history all over the place.
6: We are making history, and the, I will add to your history and say that uh, Christian Javier also had nine strikeouts, which is the also histor- history for the World Series as well, so lots of history being made. This is one of the more um, interesting World Series in the sense that Everyone criticized Philadelphia for their lack of defense. Um, There was a broadcaster who said that he, from New York Mets, who said that he wouldn't go and broadcast games because they were god awful in defense, the Philadelphia Phillies. Well, look at the Philadelphia Phillies comparative to the the Mets. Just saying, one team's still playing, the other one's not.
0: Ooh, Um, throwing shade at the Metropolitan fans.
6: So, uh, yeah, it's just been really an interesting series to watch. Not the most, as I like to put it, sexiest series in the world, but, you know, it's getting the job done, 2-2, and we're here. So, lots of history and uh, power coming from teams that you wouldn't expect.
0: Sometimes Close works as a replacement for good there's only really been one good game, and that was Game One. Here's hoping that we get a competitive Game Five tonight. But uh, that's one of those we'll have to wait and see as Justin Verlander gets back on the mound, looking for his first mm-hmm. ever World Series
6: win, looking for uh, and th- to improve the zero six record that he has in the World Series. And that's a story in itself, in that you know he hasn't got a a win in the World Series, and and that's you know sort of must watch TV. Be interesting to see how Dusty Baker sort of manages around this he took uh, Christian Javier out of the game after uh, six innings last night with the no hitter I was happy to see that he managed you know based on the scoreboard and not necessarily based on the guy having a no hitter the bullpen as we mentioned held that up um, going forward but then Philadelphia got into their bullpen and and there was uh, home runs given up and uh that just kind of blew things open yeah. and I expect this series to go six or seven games. I would say well, it, has it has to go well, six. It has to go Mathematically, six. Mathematically, yeah. it has to go six. Yes, it will go six, but, but I, I do expect this probably to go possibly seven just because it seems to be this whole, um, back and forth, you know, team jumps out to a lead and then holds it. Uh, there was some giving up of leads going on in the first part. So Who knows what you might get in the remaining of these potential three games, but now we're into a... Best two out of three.
0: Pivotal so. game. Pivotal game tonight for the Phillies. I, I, doubt, I doubt they're winning two in Houston, so they got to they get one tonight if they're hoping to win this World Series. Hey, lucky for the baseball world, Brock, there is an absolute stinker of a Thursday night football game coming our way tonight as the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles are visiting the hapless Houston Texans. Brock, this has all the makings of a very uninteresting football
6: game. It does, but I will say to your uninteresting if you're looking at houston and i know houston's not the greatest team in the world with a one five and one record comparative to a seven and zero, you want to be that team to come out and give it give it your best because you want to be the team that says we took out uh, philadelphia's you know undefeated season the rest of the season philadelphia is favored to win all of their games uh Jalen Hurts has been playing so consistent all season long with his favorite target, A.J. Brown. I expect nothing less in tonight's game. Uh, it's just going to be really good. But like I say, I do expect Houston to try to come out with a spirited effort. There isn't much of a run game if you're Houston. There isn't much of a pass game either. But if the one kind of favors the other... They do have a little bit better passing game than they do running game. So if you're Philadelphia, that's kind of the one thing you got to look out for is the passing. And so we'll see what happens tonight. But I agree, it's not the greatest. NFL Thursday night in the world.
0: I have to watch the game because I have all kinds of fantasy interests across both rosters. So either those players are getting benched, particularly the Houston variety are going to be getting benched. But uh, I'm, I'm going to have to pay attention to yell encouragement at these guys through my TV screen. <laughs> Brock, let's move over to the hockey world. You and I had a little bit of fun at the expense of the Toronto Maple Leafs the other day, but you want to do an early season check-in here on some surprising Canadian NHL teams. And there's a couple Candidates here. I'm curious which one jumps out to you.
6: Um, I think the thing that I wrote down um, so far is that all of the Canadian teams are are kind of in their own little bit of trouble, except for uh, uh, Edmonton. Edmonton's kind of been the consistent sort of sort of team all through. Um, I would say that if we're looking at a team like Calgary, they're struggling with. Having leads and then and then kind of blowing them, Ottawa. Well, Ottawa's doing okay. They've been playing uh, competitive hockey, but now we have this this whole um, issue of selling the team and what what's happening with that. This this can be sort of a thing that may happen. I don't know what you feel, but I don't know how much selling the team really makes a difference to players. But we'll see how that goes. Well, it depends Vancouver's, who buy, It
0: depends who buys it.
6: Yeah, of course and and that's this is going to be the question that you know who buys it and what happens and and there's been some reports out there of who might buy it and who may not, but we'll see what happens. Well, there was a I'm lot kind of... of talk
0: before the pandemic that Guy Liberté, the former owner of Cirque du Soleil, was very into it, and then that company took an absolute nosedive during the pandemic, almost went bankrupt. So I don't think Guy Liberté has that kind of money laying around anymore, but there are reports that Ryan Reynolds, the actor and now famous owner of a soccer team in England, there's some rumors that he may want to get in, in the Ottawa Senators game, getting a little Ryan Reynolds in there, a little dare, a little, not dare, a Deadpool, a little Deadpool in there as the owner of the Sens.
6: Does it matter to you, Dave, that it's a, it's a celebrity?
0: I mean, not, or... re- not really, but I mean, he, for, to his credit, to his credit, he and Rob McElhenney if it's always, it's always sunny in Philadelphia fame, bought a fourth tier, English soccer team, and have really turned it around. There's there's an entire uh, documentary series on Disney Plus all about it.
6: Yes. Um, for me, I'm kind of, and this is a little bit of the Canadiana side of me, I, I would like to see it sold to a Canadian um, somebody. I don't care if it's an actor. I don't care if it's Ryan Reynolds. Some I want a Canadian connection, and I know this is me, you know, throwing out Canadian content but for, I i don't know it just would have a better feel if it was Canadian owning a Canadian team but you never know whoever's going to come with the most money and say we're going to do this that's who's going to end up winning a Out in the end, for me, I was.
0: I I think what counts to Ottawa Senators fans is whoever buys this, please just give us financial stability. Don't give us the runaround. Don't go el cheapo. Don't cut corners everywhere. Build us this new downtown arena, and let's get this thing on track. Because the Sens fans have been basically abused for thirty years with poor ownership.
6: Well, and that that I've been to the the venue once, uh, which is now called uh, Canadian Tire Center. And it is in the oddest location, in the like it's so odd where it is. Yeah, it's in the middle of just nowhere, and it's just I don't know. I agree. I think Ottawa fans deserve stability. They have good pieces, as we've talked about. Now you just des- deserve good stability and someone to guarantee that it's going to stay in Ottawa, because that's been a that's been a discussion for a long time. I do think it's going to with this whole discussion of. You know um, all the financial stuff with it, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, but for me, keep it in Canada, and uh, hopefully, we can get the Ottawa Senators going. Uh, Vancouver still struggling with wins, although they've got a couple in their in their hand now, and we'll just see what happens there. I think, as a fan base, I think as a Canadian as a whole, and the fan bases, I think we all need to relax just slightly, and we all need to recognize. It's 10 games into the season for most of these teams. I think a lot of the the talk and part of the thing with Ottawa is that we want our coach fired. We want DJ Smith fired. Well, I don't know if that's necessary either. We're 10 games into the season. I'm not sure that we need to jump off bridges at this point if we're a Canadian fan base. But that's what happens, Dave, with, with Canadian fan bases as a whole. We're either on the ride as a roller coaster being all happy or we're taking a nosedive and we're saying, well, we want this and that change. And I think change can be good, but it can also be a a gut-check decision where you don't want to make a rash decision so early in the season because there is still 71 games for most of these Canadian teams left in the season. Brock, thank you for this.
0: We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you. That's Brock Richardson. He's the host of The Neutral Zone and our sports reporter here on Now with Dave Brown. Let's bring in Mike Ross. He's at the AMI Weather Desk. Oh, Mike, you're on mute. Or someone has Mike on mute. In fact. We're, we're going to go testing, 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 and soon I'm going to read the National Weather Update, which, as folks know, I really enjoy doing. Do we have Mike? Hello, Mike? All right. I'm going to read the weather. That's okay. Everyone knows I like reading the weather. Starting in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, mainly cloudy and a high of plus four. In Charlottetown, PEI, mainly sunny and a high of 10. Nice day on the island. Ooh, New Brunswick's out doing you, Charlottetown, though. St. John, mainly sunny and a high of 13. Quebec City, sunny at a high of 11. In Toronto, a mix of sun and clouds and a high of 15. Goodness gracious, was, was it ever foggy this morning? Oh, oh, man. Even my legal blindness can tell you visibility was poor. In Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Oh, my gosh. Beautiful day on the Great Lakes. Mainly sunny and a high of 17. Let's go for a swim in Lake Superior. Get the boat out. In Brandon, Manitoba, a mix of sun and cloud. A high of plus four. There is going to be a wind chill this morning, though, of minus eight. In Regina, mainly cloudy, with the temperature falling to minus six in the afternoon. And with that comes a wind chill of minus 14 in the afternoon. All apologies to our friends in Regina. Over in Lethbridge, sunny, fog patches in the morning. A high of plus two, but the wind chill is going to be minus 21. It was like 21 degrees in Lethbridge like 10 days ago. No, it's minus 21. People are going to catch a cold in Lethbridge. 40-degree swings in 10 days. There's no amount of echinacea that can help you with that. In Red Deer, clearing this morning, a high of minus 6 with the wind chill of minus 24 in the morning and minus 10 in the afternoon. In Whitehorse, cloudy with a high of plus 1. There will be a wind chill of minus 13 this morning. In Kelowna, cloudy with a high of plus 5, but a wind chill of minus 10 in the morning. And then in Vancouver, as I mentioned off the uh, top, there is an atmospheric river projected through that neck of the woods. So mainly cloudy with rain beginning in the morning, looking at accumulation anywhere from 5 to 10 millimeters. But there are some reports from Environment Canada saying potentially up to 70 millimeters by the time tomorrow comes to an end. The high will be six degrees. That was your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Coming up after the break... Stephen Scott will be here. He'll describe the growing popularity of the social media platform Mastodon. That's a sounds like a big platform with Stephen Scott. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's talk about emerging social media platforms. There's one called Mastodon, which is making some waves or footprints in the snow, if you will. Stephen Scott is the host of Double Tap Daily, which you can find on AMI Audio at noon. Stephen, how's it going? I'm good, Dave. How are you? I'm well, Stephen. I feel like I'm getting hip and with it over here because I'd never heard of this social media platform, Mastodon. So tell me a bit about it before we jump further into the conversation.
1: Well, first off, you're not alone, Dave, because uh, not many people had heard about it until Elon Musk decided to buy Twitter. And as a result, everyone is uh, getting a little bit nervous on the platform, which, if I'm honest, I think is a bit of a storm in a teacup. And you know, I kind of feel as well, if people want to leave, just go just leave stop moaning about it just Just leave saying on twitter i'm going to leave now i'm going to leave now just go it's a private company
0: he bought it he can do with it what he wants and like yes i would prefer there to be less nazi propaganda on my social media platform i'm all for less like yeah like i'm definitely i'm definitely like down with like how about we have like less nazis on the platform but like people clutching their pearls perpetually but elon musk oh he fired the ceo he bought the company he
1: can fire who he wants and he's doing it publicly, and that's why we're seeing this. You know, you don't normally see all this carry on going on. You wouldn't normally care. But because it's Elon Musk and because he's doing it on Twitter and he's setting everything up on Twitter, it's kind. Of, I kind of like it, if I'm honest. There's almost a democracy part to it that I quite like. But anyway, that's well, not the question. It's probably is more it?
0: capitalism than democracy.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, well, you know, yeah. I mean, what's the alternative? Do we want to go back to communism? That didn't work out first time around. I don't think we want to go there, right? (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't Um, think
0: anybody would have accused Twitter of being uh, some kind of commune, but I I think we're going to get caught in the weeds here, Stephen. Let's get back to Mastodon.
1: Yeah, so Mastodon is an alternative social media platform, and the difference really here is that it is called... Um, a a decentralized system so it's not owned by a billionaire unlike every other media organization on planet earth um this one is decentralized now what that means in reality is anybody's guess if i'm honest um it could mean that you know it may never be taken away by or taken over by a billionaire i honestly don't know but the point is at the moment it's something which is kind of set up by individuals so you could go off and set up a mastodon server and then people can connect to you but when you're in the mastodon world you can connect people in other servers as well so Essentially, it's like Twitter. It's certainly designed like Twitter. It looks like Twitter. You tweet the same way. You can tweet more than you would, say, with uh, Twitter because there's more character capability. You can uh, send audio messages that are longer, video messages that are longer. Um, Alt text is there as well. It's built in and it was actually there before Twitter had it. So in some ways, it's a little bit more accessible. Um, But, you know, it's it's a platform that's just very much emerging and is getting a lot of attention at the moment, um, which is good. And also quite bad for the platform because they're trying to keep up with the flurry of inquiries.
0: Right. What happens is all of a sudden they start getting an influx of people who want to join and do they have the yeah. capacity to handle that from a technical perspective? Stephen, beyond the, the flea from Twitter... It surprises me that people wouldn't just say go to Facebook or go to Instagram or go to TikTok or go to Reddit or go to Discord. Why do you think Mastodon itself ends up being the place that has garnered this attention?
1: I think ultimately, for and and you know, bear in mind, I'm talking here about blind people who I'm seeing who are kind of making the rush, and it's blind people in particular who are heading to Mastodon, and it did intrigue me a little bit because. I had read a lot of people saying it's not the most accessible place to go, but equally, it's not as inaccessible as it used to be. Okay. And some people can okay. come up with that, right? So that's quite important. You know, it's it's a bit more accessible. I mean, I went through the process of setting up an account with them, and it was fine. It, it, it was, I had no issues logging in and setting up an account. I really have no idea. I think I, so you have to attach yourself to a server. And I picked a, a server which is full of nerds. And that's fine. (laughs) Uh, These people talk a language I do not understand at all. I feel like a complete donut in this situation.
0: Stephen, if they're too technically nerdy for you, uh, what hope would I
1: have? i have honestly dave i have no i'm not a geek i'm just not a geek i love geeking about but on the very surface level it's like if i can plug something in and a light comes on i feel good about myself these people you know they're hacking into banks no they're not that's a joke that's too far too far (laughs) but you know honestly it's it's a really interesting place because I, i guess a lot of people who are way more geeky are using those kind of platforms and like you say it's not the only one people are looking at discord that's a very popular place for blind people to go um the other one you mentioned there not reddit, discord the reddit. other one reddit that's it reddit the the frog network um that <laughs> is very much uh, the place to go for a lot of people and there are a lot of clients that you can download like reddit for blind for pc and equivalents for android and ios that you can go and download that are more make the platform more accessible with subreddits and all the rest of it uh, all of these platforms come with challenges and that's and the challenges can be accessibility for one, but also the content that's on those platforms. And you know, when you look at something like Mastodon, and it kind of surprises me, people are going there because it is decentralized, it is unregulated, and surely that's the very thing that people wanted to not have. Right, right, exactly, right. exactly. Why would you go there? I, I just, I don't get it, Dave. That's my. I'm like, what, what's going through people's minds to think? Hey, do you know what? I don't like this unregulated space where you know the Nazis can say things, but equally will be challenged because and probably legally dealt with as well um instead i'll just go to this place over here where no one's looking
0: that is no curation really? that is no curation whatsoever yeah. steven i i, I don't want to dive too far deep into this because there's only losers when you end up in this conversation yeah but yeah. i think it's there's people who just don't like elon musk personally i don't care for the guy but i don't feel enough about the guy that it's going to change my twitter usage unless he starts <laughs> charging me a monthly fee to get on twitter
1: my take on it is really simple. It's, it's I don't think it's got anything to do with this. I think people who espouse the, the desire to have free speech don't really want free speech. They want their speech. That's right. And I'm not for that. I think, you know, yeah, I'm all for lettuce Nazis on the network. Absolutely. But equally, if you want free speech, that is the price of free speech, whether you like it or not. Uh to me, that's the problem, right? You, you can't have it both ways. It's not like I can say whatever I want, but you can't say whatever you want. There are laws in place to deal with a lot of the speech. That, that I mean, if we use the Nazis for example, there are, you know, there are laws against that. There's hate speech. There's things you cannot say, or if, if you do say it, you can be dealt with by law. Yeah. So are rules in place for this
0: i mean yes and no you can be dealt with by law that's been one of the concerns about content curation in the digital space and perhaps one of the concerns about someone who uh does plant their free speech flag more openly like elon musk does that mm. is this curation going away what is the process going to be to report harassments or hate speech on the network are some of those guardrails going to go away which by the way th- that's a reasonable enough concern i would argue that twitter has never had good
1: guardrails but uh, that's that's exactly my argument it's But it's never been any different to me. There's nothing new here. I mean, you know, Facebook is a good example of this. The horrible things that have existed on Facebook and on social media across the board, not just Twitter. And it has been let go or it's been, you know, horrific situations that have been left on the platform for too long. That's been going on for a long time. So I just don't see why everyone's so excited about Elon Musk taking this over because it doesn't feel to me anything's changed. The other thing that I think
0: matters here, and you were right to identify that that people will be very muddy and murky in the way they think about free speech. And one of the problems is there's always perception of what counts as radical, right? We were Mm. were making jokes about communism and socialism and capitalism before. There might be someone who is a staunch, staunch, staunch progressive who espouses like some very strong pro-union positions, some like economic overall positions that are far from the left. And people who are in their circles would say, "That's the kind of free speech I want to hear." There'd be people who are further to the right who would say, "No, no, no, that's too radical. I've deemed that to be inappropriate speech, right? So so this becomes this becomes the issue that it becomes very difficult to govern. And that's why maybe we need to be drawing very strict policies around what constitutes hate speech harassment, especially of people who are vulnerable. But yeah, I I think that anytime we start getting into the curation of social values, into the social media space, then we have to ask the question of who is actually drawing those values?
1: Well, this is the point. And, you know, when it comes down to, I mean, I I always talk about this as a, a personal responsibility issue. We all have control of our own lives. A lot of people these days love to live in this bubble that they have absolutely no control over their lives. They're victims to absolutely everything. And I don't see myself in that way. I never have. I'm a great believer in personal responsibility. You know, if I don't want to to be faced with this horror show every day on social media, just delete the app. Get away from it. And, you know, I used to use the excuse, well, I use it for work and I like to get the news on it. Now I think to myself, there's other ways to get the news. There's other ways to get information. I don't have to be sitting on that platform listening to a bunch of nobodies talk absolute garbage most of the day. People in pants, frankly, just sitting there talking rubbish. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I I can join in that conversation or I can not join in that conversation. I can read it or I I don't need to read it. I can take some responsibility. And that's my argument towards that the
0: algorithms do change things though that what what is getting extra boost because of the algorithms mm. which again, these, these are all like reasonable conversations but people don't want to have them reasonably which then leads to more yelling.
1: Well, there's no nuance, is there? There's no nuance No, there's, to n- it. there's no. Con- context is gone. You cannot have a reason to argument at 140 characters. No, it's just not impossible,
0: possible. Impossible. Uh, Stephen, let's go very quickly to something else you guys have on mm. your minds which is the future of the dictaphone. Of course, people, for years and years and years people have been speaking notes into these little battery-powered devices. In fact, in journalism for years and years, that's how we would go get interview clips from politicians, especially in the radio world. But now the Dictaphone is on the
1: ropes. Why? Well, you know what? The smartphone's taken over everything. It's gobbled up nearly everything on the desk, and uh, the Dictaphone is one of them. And look, I would argue that it's taken the Dictaphone A long time ago, you know, apps like voice memos on the iPhone and voice recorder on Android and of course on your PC and on your Mac and across devices. Now you have the ability to record, Uh, you know, I I, I see the value in Addictive Phone. A lot of businesses still like them. Um, But, you know, I think these days, if you're looking for security, and a lot of times I get asked this question about dictaphones, it's around, well, you know, my organization wants me to use this device because it's the most secure. And then I think to myself, but if you dropped that in the street and just left it lying there, someone could just pick it up and get all the information. If you drop your phone on the street, it's probably passcoded. There's probably a face ID on there. They're not getting into it. The machine's dead once it's dropped. So, You know, I I think there's better ways to do this. And I think that's clearly what is happening. Less people are buying them. They're less available. And more importantly for us, there are less accessible options out there. There's really only one Olympus uh, device left, Dictaphone left, that actually has got voice guidance built in, meaning Mm. that if you arrow around the menus, it will speak them back to you. That's the DM770. It's a great device, but it's the only one left. And that means it's probably not going to last very long. And, you know, I spoke to Olympus about this and I said, look, guys, you know, are you going to develop any more? Have you got plans? No. We just don't. Yeah. And you can kind of understand why. Uh, there are so many accessible options out there from the smartphone you already own, which, you know, someone said to me, how long can I record with a voice memo on my my iPhone? Well, to be honest, with the hard drive space inside, like you forever. could be talking
6: 15 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: 20, 30, 40 hours. You could record for days if you wanted to. So the capacity's better. The storage is better. Some quick mentions for apps to think about as alternatives would be like Just Press Record, which is a fantastic app, works on the iPhone and also on the Apple Watch as well. And the Apple Watch is a brilliant dictaphone when you think about it because it's always there. It's just ever-present. But you also have apps like the voice memos app I was talking about. Just press record though, it doesn't just do audio, it transcribes the audio, which is brilliant. You've got text transcription right after. And of course there are alternatives as well, like Recup, R-E-C-U-P, a brilliant application, which if you've got a Dropbox account, as soon as you hit stop, that file is instantly available in your Dropbox. So there's lots and lots of options out there. So the idea of a dictaphone in 2022, you've got to get batteries for this thing. I think the, the little tapes have gone. They've moved away from that, at least. It's all memory cards now. Uh, although I must admit, I love those little tape recorders <laughs> because you know, they were just great. They're tiny little tapes, they were tiny. I love that's,
0: them. That's how we both got our start in this industry, just making tapes for ourselves. Absolutely. Some people would accuse us still of just making tapes for ourselves just via national TV
1: every day, but uh, that's their opinion. You, you might think that, Dave, and I can only agree.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you can listen to Stephen Scott's personal Dictaphone recording weekdays at noon Eastern on AMI-audio. Never, it's never. Double Those Tap. The tapes are
1: never coming out.
0: Oh, my gosh. Stephen, all the best to you. Always fun catching up. Have yourself a great day.
1: Thanks, Dave. Take care. That's Stephen
0: Scott, one of the hosts of Double Tap. You can find it weekdays and Saturdays at noon Eastern time on ami Audio. You can find the pulse Thursdays at 1 30 p.m. Eastern Time. Joita Gupta will be catching up with Helen Rise of Siblings Canada about their new course about the strengthening the financial security of your sibling with a disability. That's the pulse this Thursday, 1:30 p.m. Eastern time on AMI Audio and then a little bit later, it'll be available on YouTube. Coming up next, British Columbia has launched a tool for people with disabilities to give feedback on accessing government services. BC Parliamentary Secretary for Accessibility Dan Coulter will share the details. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The government of British Columbia has launched a tool for people with disabilities to give feedback on accessing government services. BC Parliamentary Secretary for Accessibility Dan Coulter is here to tell you more about it. Secretary Coulter is also the MLA for Chilliwack. Secretary Coulter, thank you so much for making time to be with us again today. Great to chat with you. Yeah, awesome. Thank you very much for having me, Dave. So let's jump right into it. What kind of feedback are you looking for with this mechanism?
4: Well, we're looking for um, feedback from, you know, anyone who works in the public service or anyone who has to deal with uh, government and receive services um, or goods from government for that matter, um, and has a concern about accessibility or wants to give us a feedback about how accessible our services are or, um, or our government.
0: Along those lines, are there particular services or sectors that you're specifically looking for to get this feedback?
4: Uh, I would well the entire range of government so everything from um, you know social assistance um, through to transportation, uh, energy mines and the low carbon innovation um, any any interaction with government.
0: How can people offer up the feedback? What methods are available?
4: So we have um, we have a website uh, where you can go. It's uh, gov.bc.ca slash accessibility um accessibility uh feedback um but there's also um oh geez i don't have it right now but there's a phone number you can call or you can email accessibility at gov.bc.ca and you can ask for a form or you can give your feedback right through an email to that address what happens to the feedback once it's received well, we uh, we sort of within the accessibility um, directorate, we sort of collate the uh, information that we're getting from the feedback, and then we give it to the ministries uh, ministries involved.
0: Will people potentially receive a response about the feedback that they give?
4: Yes, absolutely. They'll uh, they'll definitely receive a response from from us about the feedback they've given that we've uh, that we have it and that we are taking it seriously.
0: How does this feedback mechanism fit more broadly into the BC government's accessibility plan?
4: Right, so in our Accessible BC Act, um, there are three requirements that government um, must follow. And uh, one one of those is the accessible uh, accessibility feedback mechanism, but uh, also, um, you know, an accessibility committee, which we started and a accessible BC plan. Um, and so it It's one of the three things that government absolutely must do that's in the Accessible BC Act. We've also extended those requirements to 750 other public sector organizations. So municipalities or um, libraries, school districts, um, those types of things.
0: Secretary Coulter, you mentioned it before, but where should people go if they want to learn more? Maybe they've already got a couple thoughts they want to offer up.
4: Absolutely. Um, Gov.bc.ca forward slash accessibility feedback,
0: Secretary Coulter, we're grateful for your time this morning. Thank you for, for joining us, and we'll talk to you again down the road. Keep us posted on all the great developments that you and your colleagues are doing.
4: Uh, thank you very much for having me, Dave. I really appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to give you, uh, give you updates.
0: Dan Coulter is the MLA for Chilliwack and the Parliamentary Secretary for Accessibility in British Columbia. Coming up today on Kelly and Company... Got some special folks in the chairs as Kelly and Rummy are doing some work behind the scenes. So you know who's stepping in. Our friend Brock Richardson and Daniel McLaughlin will be hosting the show. So they'll be joined by Fern Lullum, sharing some data about disability published by the UK Office for National Statistics. And Michael Fair will highlight a community of authors creating complex, completely accessible and story-driven games, which you, which put you, the player in charge, Kelly and Company. Comes your way 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. And, of course, if you miss the show, you can always download the podcast just like you can download our podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. In their case, search for Kelly and Company. In in our case, search for Now with Dave Brown. That's what you're looking for. And, of course, one of the reasons why Kelly and Company are doing some work behind the scenes today with Kelly and Rumya doing a photo shoot literally behind the wall that I'm pointing at. It's because they're making a big move to TV starting on January 9th. The show will be called Kelly and Rumia because Rumia deserves her flowers through and through. So that show is going to be launching on January 9th on AMI-TV. And as a result of that launch to TV, we also got ourselves a new studio on Now with Dave Brown. It's currently in the assembly process. We're building some production stuff behind the scenes as well. That should all be set to launch for us on January the 9th. But FYI, as a result of some new equipment and new processes, we're going to be taking a short hiatus in the month of December through to January 9th. So from December 12th till January 9th, there's going to be no original Now at Dave Brown shows. Don't worry. They haven't fired me. They haven't given me the boot. Although there are some of you out there who probably wish they would. but from December the 12th to January the 9th, we're going to be doing some testing behind the scenes. But then on the morning of January 9th at 9 a.m. Eastern time, we are going to be coming live to you from our brand new studio. Again, just behind that wall that I'm pointing to. Don't have to go far, not changing the geography too much, but it's really cool. A lot of people have put a lot of work into this behind the scenes. So really looking forward to bringing that to you. And you might even feel and notice a little bit of a difference on the show, a little bit of a different vibe as we roll out some new technology. So big thanks to everybody who's working behind the scenes to put that one together. And I'll remind you again, and I'm going to remind you a bunch of times between now and then December the 12th, Until January the 9th, the show's going to be on a hiatus, so there'll be no live now with Dave Brown programming. I'm going to have to keep my hot takes all bottled up for a full month. It's going to be tough, but we're going to make it through. Coming up after the break, Sylvie Feketz will describe the hashtag Rewrite the Rules, a new campaign about issues of ableism and barriers on the disability community. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's check in with Sylvie Fiquette, a content development specialist for AMI in Pacific Canada, more specifically Vancouver. Hey, good morning, Sylvie. Sylvie, I know there's some uh, rain headed your way, so I hope everybody's hunkering down and trying to stay safe.
3: We are Dave. You know, it's really bizarre—from drought to atmospheric river to snow next week. So very bizarre.
0: November in Vancouver, through and through. Well, maybe not the drought part. Maybe not the drought part, but definitely the uh, the river part. Well, we hope everybody's staying safe because we know last year's atmospheric river caused a lot of trouble for folks. So hopefully, it's uh, not as bad as last year. But uh, definitely, folks on high alert with that issue coming out. That statement issued by Environment Canada earlier today. Sylvie, let's uh, jump. Over to a story that's becoming all too common when it comes to air travel and people who use wheelchairs. This is a story about Shane DeWild, a para athlete who was removed from a WestJet flight due to problems with this power wheelchair. So, Sylvie, fill us in on what happened with this incident.
3: Yeah, Dave, this is so unfortunate. Shane DeWild, he's a para athlete who competes in the adaptive sport Power Soccer. And um, he's frequently traveled by air over the past six years. And last week, Shane was traveling from Vancouver on a WestJet flight to Calgary when airline staff approached him after he had already boarded the flight, that there was a problem loading his electric wheelchair into the cargo hold. DeWild, who's an IT assistant from North Vancouver, he has cerebral palsy and says he's never encountered anything like what happened on this flight with trying to secure his wheelchair in the cargo hold of a plane. Uh, The WestJet spokesperson stated the chair was too tall to wheel into the cargo hold upright and that the ground crew had flipped it on its side, causing lights to activate on the back of his chair Due to the issue, the aircraft was unable to depart because of the unintentional power activation of of the wheelchair in the belly of the aircraft.
0: What has WestJet said in response to this situation?
3: Well, the way WestJet tried to remedy this was that they actually approached DeWild on the flight and asked him how the uh, batteries could be disconnected from his wheelchair and that in turn had him contacting the medical equipment company for his wheelchair. He had to pass the phone to the ground crew to try to figure out a solution, which they were unable to do. And then after an hour of trying to rectify this, WestJet made the decision to offload both the wheelchair and Shane from the flight, which was just ridiculous.
0: What has Shane DeWilde had to say about this situation?
3: Well, he said that You know, being removed from the plane in front of other passengers because his wheelchair could not be safely stored in the cargo hold was very humiliating and really demeaning. He felt like he was being treated like a second class citizen in his own country and just was so bewildered how something like this can still happen in 2022. He... He says it's important to bring this to light and to help these airlines and people to be more aware. He wants airlines to ensure that all staff and contractors know how to properly handle wheelchairs and that that embarrassing situation won't happen again to anyone. And he plans on flying. He Again, he's he's an athlete and he has to fly yeah. to compete in his sport.
0: In this, this is something that is happening all too often. we We pretty much share a story once a week inside Canada, or at least at the very least North America of a wheelchair being damaged by airline crews. And to a certain degree, when it happens over and over and over and over again, that's no longer, oh, an honest mistake. Oh, we didn't have adequate training. That's willful ignorance. It's total willful ignorance by the airlines that it's happening over and over and over and over again. So I'm curious, in Shane's case, you mentioned that he still wants to fly. He still wants to compete. Did he ever make it to Calgary for for why he was headed there?
3: Yes, yeah, so actually... Uh, Air Canada stepped up and was able to fly De Wilde to Calgary later that same day. That airline's ground crew knew not to tip the wheelchair over when it was being loaded into the plane and removed the headrest to ensure it went in upright. So pretty basic things there with the ground crew thinking, okay, what can we do to get this in properly? They knew, Air Canada knew, and You know, WestJet said it will take steps to make sure this mistake never happens again. But unfortunately, it's just left such a bad taste in people's mouths out there that you know, Shane says some of his friends are really um, leery about wanting to travel by air because of what's been happening with the airlines.
10: Yeah,
0: whether it be lost whether it be lost wheelchairs, damaged wheelchairs, this situation where there's just complete ignorance on how to deal with the wheelchair, and yet somehow another ground crew was able to figure it out almost instantaneously. It's almost like this is purely the basics of handling people's accessibility equipment. Just last week, we were talking to an entrepreneur, uh, the founder of uh, A to Z, which is a company that's developing... Uh, uh, QR codes that, to offer up assistance and information for ground crews and airlines to deal with wheelchairs. But the fact that we're at that point where entrepreneurs need to step in to create QR codes to put on chairs to be like, Please don't destroy my wheelchair really goes to show that the airlines over and over and over again are willingly ignorant on this front. Hey, Sylvie, speaking of willing ignorance, let's talk about ableism (laughs) because the BC Human Rights Commission has introduced the hashtag rewrite the rules campaign to work against a lot of ableist perceptions. So give me the why the BC Human Rights Commissioner wanted to do this, why this was so important for them.
3: Yeah, Pardon me. The BC Human Rights Commission suggests we all live by unwritten rules, which tell us how we should think or act. These rules are written down or sorry, these rules aren't written down or even spoken out loud, and we mostly follow them without ever really thinking about them. So what the Kasari Govinder, she's the Human Rights Commissioner, says is that The unwritten rules about disability that we all live with, they add up to a system that favours the needs and experiences of able-bodied and neurotypical people in big and small ways. And these unwritten rules about disability ignore, dismiss or discredit people with disabilities. So the importance lies in changing the rules, not the people, which is the focus of the BC Human Rights Campaign, hashtag rewrite the rules. Individuals living with disability choose many different ways to describe themselves, and these decisions represent important ways of thinking and talking about disability.
0: How is the Commission hoping to engage the public in this campaign?
3: Yes, yeah, so I'm hoping that there will be more awareness and conversations here. The Rewrite the Rules campaign is inviting people to unpack how these rules hold us all back and inspire action towards more inclusive communities. The campaign is intended to drive more conversations about ableism while encouraging self reflection and exploration. So Rewrite the Rules puts emphasis on spaces, systems, and attitudes that create barriers for people with disabilities. They're inviting people to think about how buildings, information, equipment, schedules, and ways of doing things can be disabling.
0: Where should people be going to learn more about the campaign? Obviously, just simply visiting the hashtag Rewrite the Rules is certainly one way, but where where else should they be going to learn about the campaign?
3: Yeah, there's lots of great information if people want to visit bchumanrights.ca uh, forward slash rewrite the rules. There, it's right on their main page, and there's lots of information, really great information there for people to take in. Um, they have specific numbered rules that come up there that have been brought to light by several disability organizations that sort of developed and um, supported this campaign to get to the Human Rights Commission. And I think, you know, access is a human right. Communities need to be designed for everyone, including the built environment, education, employment, healthcare, care, transportation. And if we're all Kind of moving in that direction of being more aware, um, we can write these rules together Mm -hmm. or rewrite them.
0: Yeah, no, I I I agree. When you're talking about pervasive attitudes about ableism, it's remarkable how that gets in the way of accessibility. It really does end up putting focus on barriers or what someone with a disability cannot do versus what they're being prevented from doing. So that's one of these things that makes this so, so interesting in the way we perceive the built environment, develop accessibility legislation. We were just talking to the Parliamentary Secretary for uh, for Accessibility in BC about trying to create a mechanism to give feedback on what services can I not get access to as a person with disability, what is standing in the way, what are the barriers, and how do attitudes and language end up impacting that. Sylvie, thank you for bringing us these two stories. We're really grateful. Have yourself a nice day, and again, stay safe out there with the storm coming your way.
3: Thanks very much, Dave. Have a great day.
0: That's Sylvie Fiquette, a content development specialist for AMI in Vancouver, BC. Coming up on the show tomorrow, we have the news panel with Michelle McQuig and Joyda Gupta. We'll take a closer look at the Ontario Education Workers Strike, which will be developing in real time as we're on the air tomorrow. The show starts at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Until then, I'm Dave Brown reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun.